You are listening to an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's Word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org. Going to uh, begin our session this morning, our 2820 session, in walking in the will of God by drawing our attention to passage in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, where Peter I'm going to do verses 17 and 18. Peter concludes his second letter. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But, in contrast, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So the provision, the exhortation for being delivered from error, uh, for protection against those who teach error, uh, is to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to draw attention to this, uh, just uh, not only in relation to 2820, but in in all that we do here. Uh, The biblical exhortation... is to be growing, and we hear a lot about growth today, whether it's growing personally or growing as a church, and people understand or have different ideas that come to mind uh, when that is spoken of. But we are to be growing, but he identifies then two particular ways, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be growing in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is talking about not his favor here because we already stand in his favor by virtue of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We stand in his favor. It's talking about that other emphasis with the word grace, charis, which talks about strength and empowering and enabling. As believers, we need to be growing in excuse me, in the grace, in the enabling, in the empowering of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our strength. This is akin to what Paul said in his own way as he wrote to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ that Christ strengthens us. He strengthens us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us and in indwelling us, he is the one who applies all the benefits, all the enablements, um, of our salvation in Christ Jesus. And we grow in the grace, the, the power, the enabling of Jesus Christ by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But we are to be growing, realizing that our strength is in Christ. Always realizing that. Uh, <clears throat> and we're to be growing with that realization. Always embracing it. And then the other part of that is that grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, The emphasis is on knowledge, knowing, but it's knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not some mystical knowledge, but revealed knowledge, revealed truth, revealed in the only book that God has ever authored, the Bible. And we we are to be growing in our knowledge of Christ, and that is full and extensive. And so our focus is to be upon the grace, the enabling, the empowering, that is ours in Christ Jesus, always, continually, and also on growing in our knowledge of Him. You notice here 
that it's not any kind of a mystical emphasis or an experiential emphasis. Experience obviously is an outflow of growing in that knowledge because we apply and live out that knowledge in our lives. But if we are to be protected against error and those who teach error, we need to be growing in these two ways, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Christianity, at its foundation, following Christ, let's put it that way, at its foundation is rooted in knowledge. Not knowledge alone, but it's rooted in knowledge, but particular knowledge. The knowledge that God has revealed in his word. So God is always calling us to have our minds engaged with who he is and what he has said. That is the foundation of our walk in relationship with God. So little knowledge, little real power, little real genuine walking with the Lord. Regardless of what someone says their experience happens to be. And I want to draw that contrast because we live in an era uh, where there is much emphasis upon the experience end of uh, in, in Christianity. And it's what we experience, many teach or emphasize, that is paramount and counts for the most. And it isn't. It is the knowledge that God has given us, that God has revealed and given us in his word. And we're to be growing in that knowledge. So God is always calling us to have our minds engaged with him and with his word. <clears throat> so I, I, because of this truth and similar ones to it, that is our purpose as a local church ministry, is to cl clearly communicate God's word. To clearly communicate it, explain it for the purpose of living it. And to have us into the Word of God, interacting with the Word of God as we teach. 2820, in our messages and any other venues that we might do in ministry, uh, it is to be engaging ourselves with the living God through what He has said in His Word. That's where we engage Him. And our minds are always engaged. And so I'm emphasizing the knowledge in the mind, not ignoring and not diminishing the place of experience or of our emotions. They're part of it. They're an outflow of it. But the base and the foundation of it is our knowledge <clears throat> of what God has given us in Christ Jesus, who Christ Jesus is, his plans, his purposes, and we only know that through his word. And so in his word, we have very clear, specific statements on how we are to live life. That's what Perry Patel talks about. We introduced that concept when we began this series. Peri Pateo, emphasizing the course and conduct of one's life. And so when it says walk in these particular ways, it's saying have the course and the conduct of your life be such and such and such and such and such and such. And it's the way we live is what it's talking about. And so part of this important knowledge that God is giving us and calling us to interact with and apply is contained in the specific statements that we find in Scripture. This morning we're going to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> and uh, here we're going to see the emphasis on walking as children of light. 
And this is a metaphor in Scripture, and we want to unpack this metaphor for us this morning because we don't normally walk around referring to ourselves as children of light. That sounds kind of cultish, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm a child of light. <laughs> what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> um, but this is a metaphor in Scripture that uh, Paul uses, but it's not limited to Paul. And it's a very rich one. It's a very informative one. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5 first and look at the exhortation contained in verse 8. But we're going to work our way to verse 8 because the, what precedes it uh, sets the, the context for it. So follow with me. If you have any questions or comments as we move along, feel free to interact. You're not going to bother me by, um, by the interaction <clears throat> as long as you don't come up here and try to take over the teaching area here. You'll be fine. <laughs> Therefore, Paul says, uh, be imitators of God as dear children. So we are to be imitating God and walk in love. We've talked about that already uh, in a previous point. So that's that same word, peripateo. Paul uses this word a lot. So he really emphasizes to believers the importance of how we live life. Uh, a few decades ago, uh, an author by the name of Schaefer. Frank Schaefer authored a book. He authored many books, but this book in particular had the title to it, How Should We Then Live? And that's what Paul is talking about. In light of who we are, how should we then live? And Schaefer talked about, he came at it from a different direction. He had a different purpose, but the title is, is a very good title and a very good question. How should we then live? Paul's talking about how we should then live uh, since we are now in Christ. <clears throat> so walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. <clears throat> but fornication and all uncleanness or covetous, covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. So he's going to go through uh, a number of particulars that he says, this is not who we are any longer. This is not who we are. So he says, but fornication, that is a broad term in the Greek. Uh, it, it is a broad term that encompasses every kind of uh, sexual deviancy every kind of sexual deviancy. And he says, that is to not be part of who we are. And all uncleanness, so that's another broad general term, that, that anything that is unclean in the sight of God morally is, is not to be embraced by us. Or covetousness. And covetousness is the idea of Desiring what somebody else, let me rephrase that, desiring and seeking to attain what somebody else has. Not something like it, but what they have. 
That's the, that's the concept in covetousness. It's not just the desiring something that somebody else has. Frank has a motorcycle. If I desire a motorcycle, because Frank has a motorcycle, that is not covetousness. However, if I desire Frank's motorcycle and I set about to get it through uh, whatever means other than purchasing it directly from him, <laughs> that's covetousness. I'm seeking to attain what he has. So does that make sense then as you think back to the Old Testament, some of those initial exhortations about covetousness? Do not covet another man's wife. Is, is it wrong for a man to desire a wife? No. Is it wrong for a man to desire another man's wife and set about to make that happen? Yes. That's covetousness. Do you see the distinction? You understand that concept? So it goes beyond desire. Desire gets activated by whatever means we choose to use to attain whatever it is we're coveting that somebody else possesses. <coughs> so, excuse me, covetousness is not to be uh, a part of how we live or think or desire. Let it not even be named among you. Let it not even be named among you. These are the types of things that Paul says as children of light, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, these things aren't even to be named among us as, as practices that we engage in or condone or approve of. Don't even let these things be named among you as is fitting for saints. This is not fitting to, this, this does not, this kind of thinking and desiring and actions, it just doesn't fit who we are in Christ. It's not fitting. <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> it's fitting for me to be, um, for any of the guys, the way that they're dressed this morning, to be standing up here and teaching. However, if I decide to show up in my swimming trunks, which I haven't worn in quite a while, and nothing else, that's not fitting. Am I clothed? Yes. But it's not fitting for this setting, for this context. You might even dispute if it's fitting for me on the beach. <laughs> but it is appropriate there because you wear beach apparel typically to the beach if you're going to hang out there. And so likewise for the, for the believer, there, is, or there are those um, attitudes and desires and actions are not fitting. They just don't belong. And we're not to wear them. It says, neither filthiness. And that's a broad term. That's filthiness in, in word, in action, in thought. That which is filthy. And, and we are not to be engaging in that. So much of the discourse in our society has devolved to a, a level of filthiness. Not all of it, but it's there. I mean, I'm 
going to be turning 66 in April. I've lived long enough to hear and uh, be a part of the public discourse. When I was much younger, on radio and on TV, you couldn't even say hell. Couldn't say it. I mean, that, that was really bad. And I remember uh, the TV programs when they first began, decades ago, first began to introduce that kind of language. That today, in our current setting, we, we would just pretty much look upon as innoc innocuous compared to what is typically used in public expression and discourse today. And, and what I'm getting at is this, that whatever the level of filthiness is, that's not fitting of saints. That, that's not us. That's not who we are in Christ. And so whatever that filthiness is, we can just know that that's not how we are to be conducting the course of our life. Nor foolish talking. Absurd, aimless, meaningless, foolish conversation. So and now Paul's, God's talking about how we talk. <laughs> what words do we choose to use or not to use? How do we choose to express ourselves? We're to be thinking about that all the time. Not that we're thinking about how can I talk perfectly, but to think about, is it appropriate for me as a follower of Christ to use this kind of language, to speak in this manner, to have this kind of attitude and expression when I do talk? What, what's fitting? Paul says, foolish talking, filthiness, nor coarse jesting. It's probably referred to as something different uh, today, but um, when I was growing up, off-color jokes, dirty jokes off-color language or talking or uh, dirty talking. It's probably some other way that it's referred to today. Coarse jesting. But that is very accepted widely, not only in our society, but in many societies around the world. And if it becomes accepted in the wider society, then nobody's bothered by it, right? And he says again, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. We are to be a people whose fundamental attitude and disposition, and therefore that which drives uh, how we think and how we talk, as, as being a thankful people. And that's rooted in God, and that's rooted in Christ, in the Spirit of God. That's rooted in the truth that he's revealed. He's sovereign. He operates in his providence in all ways. He's holy, he's righteous, he's just. Many other rich truths that God has revealed about himself. And therefore, as we understand these truths, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, we understand the foundation of our thankfulness. And as we grow in our understanding of these truths, we, we begin to understand, I say begin to understand, the kind of exhortations that the other apostles give as well, that we're to give thanks in what? In what? Everything. 
That's rooted in what we understand about God and what we understand about the truth that he's revealed. Such as Romans 8, 28, just one of my favorite verses. For we know that God works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose are believers. It's impossible to be a believer and not love God. Can't happen. Um, and so giving up thanks, and because we know that God works all things together, we can go through, we can embrace the difficulties that we encounter in life that are common to everyone, and then we embrace difficulties that are unique to those who follow Christ because in following him, Jesus said, if, if they you know, hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you, etc., etc. In other words, following Christ has its own set of difficulties that we will encounter, not constantly, but it's part of the framework of following Christ. And we can give thanks, just as, as Paul did in his life when he was in prison. Um, and so giving thanks, it's rooted in our knowledge of God, our knowledge of him and his word. Verse 5, for this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, remember that fornicator is a broad term, it's not limited to someone who is... Um, unfaithful in their marriage relationship. It is that, but it is much broader. Fornication, again, covers all kinds of sexual deviancy. Pornea. And so someone whose life is characterized by fornication, pornea, uh, sexual deviancy. An unclean person a person who is just embracing that which uh, God says is unrighteous, unholy, sinful, that's an unclean person, nor covetous, we did, uh, describe covetousness, who is an idolater, a covetous man who is an idolater because what he's focused on, what she's focused on, is attaining what other people have for themselves. Has any, none of these people who are characterized by these patterns in their lives, watch this, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. That's not who we are. So Paul's saying, that's not who we are. Turn from that. And you can understand why, because he, he was the apostle to the Gentiles, and, and all the Gentile cities were in... Uh, embracing paganism and a very clear part of pagan worship and lifestyle allowed for these kind of behaviors and choices and thinking and activity. Not that all of them did it, but it allowed for that and it was common to see. And Paul says, that's not who we are. We are different. We are unique in Christ Jesus. And anyone whose life is characterized by these patterns has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. So in other words, there are going to be those who would seek to argue that that's not the case. 
They, they would try to deceive you, Paul says, into thinking that if these patterns of sinful lifestyle are the patterns of your life, that you're still a believer. You're still part of God's family. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience is simply an expression which means those whose lives are characterized by disobedience to God. Other people might look at those individuals and not view them as disobedient people, but they're looking at a different standard. The standard is disobedience to God and who he is and his righteousness and and the standard of his nature and living in disobedience to him. And so those who engage and live in these patterns of life, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience because of this. Verse 7, Therefore, because of these realities... Do not be partakers with them. Don't engage with them in these activities, in this way of thinking, in this way of talking. Remember the coarse gesturing and the filthiness and the filthy language, etc. Don't engage in that. Don't go down that path. Don't be partakers, fellowshippers, koinonia, with them. Why? Because that's not who we are in Christ. Now, For you were once darkness. Darkness is defined and described by what Paul has talked about in the previous six verses. Verses 1 through 6. That's what we once were. I got saved. I was saved. I trusted Christ about the age of 12. Then prior to that, You know, I was a son of disobedience. Not that I was actively partaking in uh, all of the characteristics mentioned there, but at that point in my life when I trusted Christ as Savior, what I once was, I no longer am. But now you are light in the Lord. Now we are light in the Lord. That's who we are. I got a got going here and forgot to put up the information there. That's who we are. We are light in the Lord. We are different people. Never to go back to what we were. We were once darkness, but we're not that any longer, nor will we ever be. We are now light in the Lord. And This concept of light, children of light, uh, we'll read that next phrase there. Walk as children of life. Conduct the course of your life as a child of light because that's who you are, that's who we are. That is our direction, our direction in the way we think, our direction in the way that we hold conversation, our direction in what we desire, our direction in our behavior, our direction in our attitudes. We're totally different people. And this is a direct, strong exhortation. Walk as children of light. Children of light expresses the thought that believers now possess the nature of light. That's what children of 
emphasizes, whether it says sons of or children of, it's talking about the nature of that person is characterized by what it is uh, tied to. And in this context, it's tied to light, the light of God. And so now we have a new nature. This, this fits perfect with what Paul talks about in Ephesians and elsewhere. Uh, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, so in trusting Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become a new creature in Christ. And with that, at the point of our, our salvation, our justification, we are given a new nature, not in theory, not hypothetically, but in reality. We're given a new nature as part of this new creation that we are. We are described as a new man, a new woman in Christ Jesus. And we are fundamentally changed. God has provided us what we need in Christ Jesus now to live for him, to follow him, to obey him, for him to work in us and through us, and much more. And so we are described as children of light because we possess, we now have that nature, that new nature is characterized by the light of God. The light of God is his righteousness, his holiness, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, etc. So we are now partakers of God's nature by virtue of the fact that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. Paul describes that uh, as children of light, which means that the new man we now are is defined by God's righteousness, holiness, love, etc. Our lives are to pursue and express the new reality of who we are in Christ Jesus. That was Paul, Paul's whole point as he wrote to the Ephesians and everybody else. This has been an audio This message was not unique to the Jefferson Ephesians. Town and the other Bible apostles Church taught this Jefferson as well. Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's word. For more information, we're on a new path. We're on a new course. We are to live uniquely and differently in this world as God calls us to that uniqueness and difference. Not as we self-style it, not as we customize it, but that uniqueness and difference that God calls us to uh, in His Word and in Christ Jesus. And so we are children of light, and we're to walk in that light, in that righteousness, in that holiness, in that goodness, in that righteousness, in truth. That's verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit, that which the Spirit of God produces in every believer. The Spirit of God produces this fruit in every believer. No believer is left fruitless, and no believer is left one little tiny berry that's barely perceptible. That's not the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God produces fruit, and that fruit continues to grow and multiply. It is a process. It is a work in progress. But the Spirit of God always produces fruit in the life of every genuine believer. That is a fundamental biblical truth and reality. And the, the fruit that he is, produces is characterized by goodness. As God talks about goodness. Not as man talks about goodness. Righteousness. Again, as God talks about righteousness. 
and truth. The Spirit of God enables us to understand truth and to walk in truth. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So the believer begins to pursue life with a desire, an intentional, cognizant thought and desire that his life is acceptable to the Lord, that is pleasing to the Lord. Verse 11, and have no fellowship in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That's not talking about getting, getting in people's faces and decrying them. It's talking about the reality that by pursuing the, the lifestyle that we're called to pursue as children of light, that that's going to, be, that's going to stand in, in direct contrast to the lifestyle of the unbelieving, the lifestyle generally in the world. It doesn't matter if the lifestyle of the world of the first century or the 21st century. The basic patterns of thought, desire, depravity are all the same. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. So we don't get comfortable with that which God considers shameful. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the, by what? By the light. John chapter 1, Jesus, when he uh, came into the world, came as the light, as John the Baptist said, and he was not recognized, he was not known, because men love what? Darkness rather than light, because there are what? Evil. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So it's pursuing Christ, knowing him, growing in the grace and knowledge of who he is and what he's called us to be. And I think that clock up there says 1040. Is that correct? 38? Okay. So we've got a few minutes. We're going to go over to 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to pick it up in verse um, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him, Jesus Christ, and declare to you that God is light. He's holy, he's righteous, he's just, he's gracious, he's merciful, he's loving, He's kind, he's patient. All the attributes of God that, that are revealed in Scripture, that's embodied in this expression, light. 
And that's who he is. He is light, and in him is what? No darkness whatsoever. If we say that we have fellowship with him, if we are part, that we have, that we are partaking in his life, and walk. There's that word peripateo that John uses here. The course of our life is characterized by darkness, sinful patterns, sin of life, sinful ways of living. And that's a broad expression, I know, not getting down into particulars. But one's life is characterized by darkness, that which is sinful, that which is contrary to God and, and who He is. We lie. That's one thing about John. He does not mince words. If, if you like a personality that cuts straight to the point and says it as it is, you would have liked hanging out with John. Because he just put it right there. And that's what he says. If, if what characterizes a person's life is darkness... And yet they claim to have fellowship with God, fellowship in the sense of fellowship in, in 1 John means that, that you are a believer, that you are saved, that you are you're, you're confessing, you're professing that you know Christ, uh, using some of our terminology and way of saying it. You're, you're saying, I am a Christian, I am a believer. He says, if, if your life is characterized by darkness... Even though you claim to be partaking in the life of God, which is characterized by light, he says you lie and do not practice the truth. You're living a lie, Paul said, um, John says. Verse 7, but if we walk, conduct our lives in the light as he is in the light. So there we have the, the pattern. We walk and we live life in the light understanding that that light is who God is in his person, his nature, his character, and from that, the kind of lifestyle that he calls us to live as revealed specifically in his word. If we're walking, conducting our lives as he is in the light, then we do have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, is cleansing us from all sin. So John says that the, the characteristic of a genuine believer is that he or she will be walking or conducting the course of their life according to the light. He doesn't say in perfection here. He doesn't say that you never sin. He's just saying what characterizes a person's life? What characterizes a genuine believer? They want to be growing in Christ. They want to be uh, moving in the direction of, of the kind of lifestyle with the kind of thinking and desires and attitudes and behaviors that are consistent with God and Jesus Christ with his word. And that will be evident to him and to others. And so John says we need to be walking in the light. And a genuine believer does walk in the light. That characterizes his or her life. Lord willing, that's what we'll be getting into as we do small groups, is a thorough uh, 
exegetical study of 1 John, just a tremendous, tremendous book. But here it is this morning that uh, a genuine believer walks in the light. Uh, And that's what we're called to do and have no part with... those who, with, with darkness, with, with the kind of lifestyle that is characterized by darkness. And so we're, we're called to walk as children of light. Why? Because that's who we are. And we give God thanks for that. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. We are children of light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this time together around your word. Use it, Father, to stimulate our thoughts, to stimulate our understanding. Help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to pursue more fully uh, the truths that we have looked at this morning in understanding who we are as children of light, what that means, and Father, also uh, in understanding the particulars of what it is not and what it is. Uh, There's much more in your word beyond Ephesians 5 and 1 John chapter 1 that talks to us about the particulars of what it means and what it is to follow Christ and what that lifestyle looks like in every way. Help us to pursue that and flesh that out um, as we seek to follow you more fully. Thank you for this time together, Father, uh, and we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's Word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org.